You're tuned in with In the Blind Combat Waterfowl, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. Episode 5, your host, Robert Brewer, co-host, Andrew Beck. What's up, man? Yo, yo. What's going on, man? What's going on? Man, stressful times over here in the apparel industry, dude. Yeah, yeah. I can feel you on that. We are uh, stressful all the way around. Both working yeah. on boats right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't get product. What's, you know? Yeah, dude. It's like, well, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Because, you know, we get, get something in and then it's like, it's not here for days and it goes out. You know, the more I order, it doesn't, you know, I order more, try to get ahead and, you know, it's, it's a it's a never-ending game man and then you know like we just changed the i had to change the color of the shirt on uh the boys in the hood because uh there was just no no heather columbia blue available to order like it's just not available the black so that there was stock and then you know hoodies trying to get hoodies in for the winter and christmas and stuff like that we got a bunch of stuff uh, by the time this episode goes up, it may or may not have already dropped. Uh, but you know, trying to trying to do my best for y'all. We uh, we have some exciting things up our sleeve for for Christmas season. Um, you know, hopefully uh, there's 2,500 hats on the way. So there's 6,000 or so shirts being printed right now. Um, big things happening. Uh, just be patient. It's tough. It's hard to get product. Um, luckily our shipping times are, are really good keeping up everything's going well in that respect it's just a matter of getting product in there. yeah just it is kind of crazy right now how everything's going on man and there's a shortage in everything and uh i don't know hopefully we'll get back to normal here soon i saw something uh i saw something today i think on i don't know it was, i think it was instagram there's uh empty shelves of product in stores and like certain areas are starting to go back to rationing things like toilet paper and here we go again so i know uh we're both in like you said we're both in the middle of the boat building process ourselves and kind of that's what we're going to take the direction of the episode here in a minute but they're they're getting it bad dude uh you know that i talked to uh, carolina yachts will and tracy harding earlier today and uh somebody told me that you know i'm in some resin so i called them up in jail cook so i called them up was like hey listen um you know this is what i got going on this is what i'm trying to do and she's like we can't we can't sell out the door to the public anymore because we're on rations for everything so they don't even have enough product enough gel coat enough resin uh to do their own customers boats much less order anything for anybody else that is absolutely insane like you like you think about it and i don't know i i looked at uh uh having a a boat built as well and i mean they're they're talking 12 months for a simple boat most of that weight is the motor yeah i mean motors are like impossible to come by right now and so it's it, motors, resin, anything resin based. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't know, I don't know what the deal is. But everything's being rationed off, and then prices of everything is still high. Woods come down a little bit, 
Um, you know, I'm in the middle of rebuilding a, uh, a Jones Brothers uh, 22 and uh, 22 foot skiff. And Andy, you're in the middle of building a uh, 18, is it 18 foot, right? 16? Nah, it's, it's like 14 and a half foot. Okay. Anyway, you're building, uh, what are you? What is the type of boat that you're building? It's a one-off custom, baby. Nah, I'm kidding. It's it's like a cross between a a, a sneak boat. Yeah, just I would call it a sneak boat. I wouldn't really get to too far in the weeds on it. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a backwater, shallow water type of boat. Yeah, I would I would definitely consider that. It's an old goody boat, man. Ain't nothing special. Just old goody boat. <laughs> You figure out what motor you're gonna put on that thing? Yeah, man. I actually uh, I did a bunch of searching, man, a ton of searching, um, and I was crossed between a Yamaha and a Tahatsu, and I think I'm gonna go with the Tahatsu. There's actually a uh, I, I saw an ad today on Craigslist. There's a guy that uh, he's a Tahatsu dealer in South Carolina, and he actually has. Um, he actually has a 115 Tahatsu in stock. My whole thing is I am so torn on, so I don't want a cable. I don't really don't want a cable throttle and I'm being incredibly bougie right now, but the past few, but you know, I've got a 27 foot offshore boat that's got fly by wire, um, Yamaha's they're two hundreds. And, um, then my previous skiff had a 175 Suzuki, uh, that was fly by wire and, I'm just, I'm hooked on fly-by-wire controls. It's so smooth, and I just, I'm really having a hard time going back to a cable throttle. So the the Zook you can get in uh, the 115 and fly-by-wire. I don't know about a Yamaha though. Only two companies that are making fly-by-wire for smaller or mid-size engines, I guess you would call it, are uh, are Suzuki. And I'm told that the Mercury Pro XF can be ordered now with uh, with digital throttle. But Yamaha you, doesn't get until they get to 200. You lost me at Mercury. A 175. Yeah, I, dude, I had a Mercury on the first boat I ever had. I never had any issues out of it. Um, but there seems to be a lot of people. To be the number one, they're apparently the number one uh, boat manufacturer or boat motor manufacturer in the United States and a ton of people run them in this area you know it's pretty much Yamaha or Suzuki but I just have a I have a problem I don't know I just something so here, here's my problem with them and it's really not in quality it's in the fact that they change something like every three years so like yeah, I mean, you think about it now, like, you think about if you have a, a boat motor from, let's say, I would say probably now from, like, 2000 and below. Like, you, I mean, you, you're hard to find parts. You know what I mean? Like, so, it gets worse with Mercury because they're always changing what they have, so they're not going to produce parts for it anymore. Yeah, like, the, uh, the inboard motors that they just randomly just stopped. Yeah, like it—that's it, my only problem with them. I, I mean, I don't think they're bad motors. I think it, like people when they give them a bad rap on quality, it's definitely not a quality issue. It's just a customer service issue. I can tell you what, Onslow Bay 
builds very, very nice boats and they hang mercuries on the overwhelming majority of them that I've seen anyway. I've seen a ton of Verados go out. I was about to say, those are Verados. Like, a little bit different. Yeah, superchargers and all kinds of... That's like putting a 400XS on something. You've already spent enough good money into it. Like, May as well. May as well put that... What is it, Yamaha? Or who just came out with a 600-something? Was it Yamaha? No, Mercury. Yeah, there you go. They came out with 600. That's what I'm saying. They're coming out with something new all the time. Um... One well, 600 is a lot. We already jumped into boats a little bit. Uh, we kind of told you what we're in the middle of doing. I guess the harder, the hardest part for me on, on the skiff anyway, skiffs are incredibly popular here um, in this area specifically. So many people run them. Um, the thing with the thing with this particular skiff is uh, it had a bad it had a bad floor. Um, it was made the original hole was made in 1998 uh, and had soft spots in it me being me i decided i was just going to replace the entire thing when realistically i probably could have just patched the floor that was there saved myself a ton of work but i wanted to rip it apart and do it the right way and learn a little bit in the process and <laughs> learn we have done uh so once this boat gets done you know this a skiff and you know and at least in my opinion is a good is a good all around all-purpose boat for this area just because it runs it runs shallow you have a lot of beam uh for those who don't know what beam is it's the width of the boat um and there's a ton of deck space so for like a duck hunter if you're hunting out of the boat you have a ton of room to sit inside of the hole hunt out of it um there's a ton of room to carry decoys people whatever they generally hold a lot more people than um a comparably sized v-hole will by weight rating and passenger rating and they're just a very simple boat uh, but they are fiberglass so if you are in some areas that have like really rocky areas and stuff like that it might not be your best choice andy like what's your take on what's your take on a skiff like what's i know you were considering one a while uh, ago. I, so i would i would agree with you and i think it's the most versatile uh hunting boat all the way around i i think a lot of people will get the idea where they have the idea well you know 1648 is the most versatile uh and i will agree if you are limited in your hunting to lakes swamps creeks yeah the 1648 gonna gonna win all day long in that regard i just think as an overall like if you're all encompassing the sport uh a skiff is definitely um the best bet based upon weight for one thing uh, there's there's really no way that you're going to um, bring it up to capacity if it's you know a good size. I would say you know 18 foot and above. If it's you and four buddies, you're probably not going to break the weight on it. Um, yeah. And that's including you know you you could throw uh, a, a big ass scissor rig on it, and you're still not going to break the weight with you know 10 dozen decoys and no. your three buddies. Uh, and I, I think that's like. That's always my biggest hang-up when I look at boats uh, is that safety aspect of it. And I definitely think that that is the most safest boat to hunt on, period. It depends on where you are, though. I mean, so, <clears throat> and just, you know, obviously, um, we Andy and I went to Michigan. I think we talked about that trip a couple times. Um, 
in the past. And, uh, you know, when we went up there, we were hunting the Great Lakes. And people looked at us so sideways when we pulled in the boat ramp in a skiff. It's like they'd never seen one before. Primarily, I think, because on Great Lakes, things get so wild and crazy out there. Um, people tend to go for, for more like V-holes, right? The the big aluminum, like duck waters and um, Lund Alaskans and things like that. And there is nothing wrong with those. And it's so location-based. You talk to a dude in Arkansas. If you try to tell sell a dude a skiff in Arkansas, <laughs> he probably look at you like you're crazy, running over stumps and beaver dams and stuff like that. I mean, it's just not it's not practical for every area. In Florida, you know, they're using airboats, you know, um, and I think it's so location based. I think if you're gonna say like, hey, I'm gonna hunt, you know, coastal tidal waters of the East Coast or maybe even the West Coast. Um, you know, I think the West coast might be a lot more rocky, so I don't know yeah. really, um, that that's the best plan, but even, even like new England, man, like there's so many rocks up there. Like we hunt, um, in, you know, in the upper new England area and well, I, you know, we've taken the fiberglass boat up there and it's, you gotta be careful. You just gotta be real careful. Um, it's just, it's, I think the best boat for you goes to like where you hunt, but I think that skiffs have a place in almost in almost everywhere you know like if you were if you're gonna hunt like texas gulf coast same thing there's no reason why you know you shouldn't you shouldn't consider a skiff at least um i definitely think that a lot more people run those like 2072 john boats than really necessarily should you know i think they'd be better than a skiff. so like kind of going back on the whole V-hole versus skiff. My argument with a V-hole over a skiff, or excuse me, a skiff over a V-hole, the, the V-hole is going to be way more comfortable. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's going to be a more comfortable ride. You're going to feel more comfortable and safe driving in the in uh, adverse conditions, I would say. But understanding, like, boat construction, I'm still going to take the skiff. I'm just going to take it slower. You're not going to flip it. Like, you're not going to flip it. You're not going to put yourself in a situation. If two people slide to the right, you might be in a, if you don't have enough boat, you might be in a hairy situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess my only thing to that is like, just to play devil advocate. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people underestimate, underestimate waves and conditions and can find themselves in a really bad situation, getting swamped over the back in a skiff, you know, taking waves over. If you, if you're in a, bad wave situation you take one over the back on a skiff it's not a good day i mean I, yeah i i agree with you completely in that regard um i i would say that that's uh the another point i think a lot of people don't realize the difference between width in a boat and length in a boat right. and I, I don't i don't mean generically speaking in like numbers like that like you know like a, more people like oh well, i just need something wider um to, for more space, you know, in the floor so I can sit people so I can, you know, yada, yada, yada. But really, in all actuality, when you're going out in conditions like that, you need the length. The length yeah. is what's going to bring you home. Um, wave. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I will. I mean, I'll say that, like, the boat that I'm building, like, I, I, I'm going to have no issues with myself and one other person running it through, you know, one to two foot chop at a 14 foot. But 
there's that limitation on one you, you need to learn intervals like what is the interval looking like and also where is the current moving like that you, i mean i don't think a lot of people realize in general too how much the current actually moves you in or out in a tidal water oh yeah it's big yeah, if you run, you know, if you're running eight miles, like that's a that could be a large draw, left or right. There's a lake um, that's really popular here, Andy. I know you know what I'm talking about. It's a power lake, and uh, they flow water in and out of it for uh, for energy. And when they flow water out of that lake, it's not tidal. Obviously, it's inland, but the flow of that water coming out of that lake. Uh, I've hunted that lake here in North Carolina several times, and man i've had 20 pounds of weight on the end of each long line and still had them drag yeah um, they're still gonna pull it's right. it's nuts how uh how much current can affect a boat how it can affect the spread everything like that you know i, I think if you are going to use i think that if you are using it if you just have to pay more attention to you have to pay more attention to the weather like for instance if i was going to if I was going to duck hunt off of my Cape Horn, uh, that's a 27 foot Cape Horn. I'm not worried about a single area in North Carolina that we would hunt that boat being safe or not safe because it's not going to get wild enough to make it dangerous for that Cape Horn in this town. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Maybe in like the midst of a hurricane, but other than that, man, it just doesn't stack up big enough to where I would be concerned. Am I going to go duck hunting on my Cape Horn, though? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. On my skiff, I have to be, I have to be, you know, which I've owned a 24-foot skiff before. I've owned a 2072 John boat. Um, you know, I got in trouble quite a few days on that John boat out there, and that's 20 foot, uh, you know, and it's not big enough. The way that that boat, you don't have enough beam it's light it's like a tin can getting beat around out there um it, you know i got into some pretty hairy situations on that boat and um you know i never got i never was in a situation hunting duck hunting on that skiff uh where i felt unsafe now i'll tell you i was in a situation uh, going offshore fishing in that skiff coming out the inlet that i definitely uh, I got a little pucker factor going on. Uh, they moved the channel between the time that I went before and that particular day. They moved the channel, and I was going out early uh, before light to uh, go try to catch some kings. And I, I went out. The, I was going out the end. I had myself and two friends of mine, and one of my friends had uh, had his daughter on the boat, and she was, I want to say she was probably close to being a teenager if she wasn't a teenager then. Um, and I came out and I didn't realize I wasn't in the channel. And I uh, I had a, about a five and a half, six footer come over the bow and fill the boat up to realistically my ankles uh, and or above my ankles, probably in between my ankles and my knees. And there was a lot of water sitting in that boat and I was able to get out and uh, turn around really quick, hammer it back in, and uh, obviously it's self-bailing hole, and clear the water out once I was able to get back in it. But that's the only time I've ever been nervous in a skiff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely that 
pucker factor, you know, getting into something like that. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I, that's one of those things like weight's a big thing. I like, I get the idea that like people think the jumbo is the most versatile. Um, but like here, I can't understand that reasoning because there's, I've, I've been very few places where I felt like, man, I really need to have an aluminum boat right now. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it just, I'm not, that you're not really getting, well, I would say I'm not getting uh, to where I'm running, you know, a foot of water. Um, which I, th- I think some boys down east do get that low um, in, in some certain spots. Uh, you know, it's a lot more. Holes, Most of them are running tunnel hole skips. Yeah. I mean, and then, they're, you know, same thing. Like, you, you know, we could talk about draft and how, I mean, how far on top do you want to get? You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this is what I think about, too. You look at, like, a lot of guys that run out there um, in the core sound. That, I mean, that's that's all they're running is, you know, a tunnel hole skiff. And, I mean, rightfully so. I've, I've been out there, and I've watched waves, and you could see the sand up coming underneath the waves. Yep. Like you, you knew that was the bottom. Um, so, and, I mean, you watch them all day long beating and banging with a jack plate. So, I mean, I'm not going to say I would go do it. But and Then you got people like uh, like Captain Charles Somerville, right? Uh, legend in the guide game. Um, pretty much he's just he's – he's been guiding for, I believe, 30 years or over 30 years now in Alaska. Uh, went out there a few years ago and uh, went king eider hunting with him. And I had this, like, perception in my head of how that trip was going to go, what it was going to be like. Um, you know, I just, I just knew like he, I think he had a banks, uh, at, at the time yeah, it's a 17 foot banks. And, you know, in my head, I didn't know it was a 17 foot. Like I just knew he had a banks. Um, and so when I got there and then I see like all these Zodiacs inflatable rafts sitting on the side of this building, I'm like, Nah, and then I see this Banks boat, and this is like a, it's small. It's got a Yamaha 50 on it, and it's a 17-foot Banks boat. We are hunting in the smack dab middle of the Bering Sea. Like, there's, the deadliest catch is is filmed by boats that are coming in and out of this dock. Like, it is that bad, that crazy out there. And I remember going out and riding out into the Bering Sea, on a little 12 foot inflatable raft with a 9.9 horse Yamaha on it in huge eight, 10 foot swells. Now, granted the you know, the interval was massive. I mean, you're talking a very big interval, but I mean, it was just when we would go to the bottom of the swell in those rafts, you couldn't see the land and St. Paul Island has like mountains on it. So that just tells you how big those swells were. And we're out here in a, inflatable raft and it just bro i'd never in my life would have ever imagined that that's how that hunting would go ever that's just that's a straight pucker factor right there man so you bring up a good point though like like specialty boats so yeah i would say uh i mean even probably you know five years ago like specialty boats they a thing but they weren't a thing 
like now it's so now it's a trend man like uh more and more going to the ramps and stuff like that i am seeing banks out there i'm seeing duck waters um and not like locally to those areas versus like you used to go you know if you went up north you'd see a duck water to you know um if you went down to to Arkansas or whatever, you'd see a prodigy here or there, you know what I mean? But now they're a super common thing. Um, And I I will say this, that I think that the industry has made it now to where uh, there is like uh, geographical boats almost, if that makes sense. Like they've, they've taken like, you know, like you've got low out there and, you know, you got, uh, um tracker and grizzly and they're making run-of-the-mill boats but they're not really like specialties like i look at I, like i think about like the xlf4 hole like that's a very like descriptive ah, i don't want to descriptive is a good word like it's very descriptive and standardized and what it's good for and that's all it's good for uh yeah. i'll say the same thing for like edge uh havoc um like there's and the the weird thing about it is if you look from a boat building standpoint, like it seems kind of crazy that that is the style of boat that you would pick because it's not originally designed for that. Um, so, but kind of getting to my point is is that like I don't I don't want to like make it seem like well this is you know this is the type of boat you need to get because there's definitely geographically there I mean it's a wide range. Um, but I think that more people should start looking into specialty boats. Honestly, I mean, that's why I decided to build one. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it depends on how dedicated you are to the sport, too. I mean, there's somebody told me once when I was looking at a new boat and I, I cannot. I wish I knew who it was because I'd love to give them credit for it. But um, they told me buy a boat for what you're going to use it for 80 percent of the time. Because you will never have, if you're only going to be able to get one boat, you will never have one boat that will do everything that you want to do. Um, And at least for me living in this area, because I live two miles from the ocean, I mean, there's so much that is involved in this area in the lifestyle, in the waterman lifestyle, to use that word. But, um, you know, you have offshore fishing, you have inshore fishing, you have duck hunting, you have flounder gigging, you have um, all sorts of, you know, activities, sandbar hopping, you know, with friends and family and stuff. And, you know, there are places that I, you know, that's exactly why I have two boats now. That's exactly why. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got my Cape Horn, my offshore boat, you know, that that's super big dead rise, um, you know, that's made to go get just in the slot in the chop, you know, at boat, that's what that boat is made for. Um, I will take that Cape Horn places that I would never in a years take a skiff again. I've done it before. <laughs> I would never do it again. Uh, and then consequently there's places that I would take that skiff that I wouldn't even think about trying to take that Cape Horn, you know? So for me having, you know, that, that is my, the skiff is my specialty boat because that boat is going to be used for, you know, inshore stuff and, and duck hunting, you know, that's what that's for. Tabs down and burn it, man. Tabs down and burn it. (laughs) it. 
you've been uh, you you've been you've been getting a little you got a little sick a couple times out on the uh out on the <laughs> Gulf Stream with me. <laughs> yeah. The last one was the roughest, man. Golly. Was that probably four or five foot on maybe four seconds, five seconds? It was a little yeah, it was a little steep out there. Um, a little sporty. Yeah. It was on, it on was, the on the call for one to two foot on twelve seconds. Yeah. The forecasters definitely have the best job in the world. You could never no other job in the world can you be so wrong and still get paid. Like it's just yeah. it blows my mind, dude. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, the the cool thing for like diver hunters, you brought up duck waters and banks and in the Maryland area specifically, you know, you have like the TDBs. I think they're pretty popular in, in Maryland area. Um, like those dive sea duck boats, the way they have the shelving rigged up in them, the way they have the blinds rigged up in them, the way that, you know, they can pull, um, they'll, they'll mount cranes to pull layout boats in and out of them. I mean, they're so purpose built for that style of hunting that it's insane. And I think that if you, I'm not saying if you want to be really successful, but I feel like if you want, there are things that you can do for a boat and to a boat and the way you set your stuff up in your boat that can make your hunting so much easier than trying to force it. In some well, time. yeah, like, and I think that's, that's kind of uh, another point into it. Me and you feel the same way about this. I, 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 at the amount of hunting we've done together, um, a clean boat is a safe boat, hands down. And there's nothing more frustrating uh, to get into, you know, your buddy's boat or whatever, and he's just got it like trashed. And I yeah. don't get me wrong, but I appreciate the invite. You know, let's you know, let's go catch some beers later. But honestly, man, if if you're a messy boat owner, I'm probably not going hunting with you. Like <laughs> that's a bad. I know that's like bad to say, but like. Like the way I think about it too, like you brought up a good point, like diver hunting, like, um, and, and it, like, I think it comes with time too. Like a lot of people are like, oh man, I, I'm going to learn to go shoot divers. And that's really not like you, you're kind of, you're way outside of your element and there's a safety issue that just is, uh, I don't think it's taken into account a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like I've seen guys almost get pulled off the back of the boat running long lines in, not paying attention. Uh, you know, you've got lines coming in. You got to watch your feet. If, if the lanes aren't clear, you know what I mean? Um, you're going to you run into some trouble. And to further that, you need to have enough people to run it. Yeah. You're not going to do that. You're not <laughs> going to go that, that those type of situations. You know, again, I'm going to bring up Lake Erie, man. Or, uh, you know, you got – Andy over here, me trying to squeeze a little bit of hunting in. Andy's driving the boat. Uh, Andy runs over me in the layout. Yeah, like and just like I'm laying down in the layout boat. You know, something else was going on. People were talking. Andy couldn't hear me. He couldn't see me. Andy trying to pick me up ended up, you know, running over me. Trying to be careful and watch lines because you know it just it just happened, man. It, everything happened so fast, and you know, uh, thankfully. I wasn't hurt at all. Uh, and Andy didn't like fully run over me. It was just more of like bumped into me, but, um, you know, like there's so much, you brought up the safety aspect, you know, you really need to pay attention to the weather that you're going out in. 
things and be prepared to pull your spread, get up out of there. Diver and seat up hunting is no joke. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for somebody who's inexperienced uh, driving the boat. It's just not at, at all. Um, and it's just so much stuff that goes into it. It's a whole lot less risky, um, at least to me, in my opinion, to go to, you know, a lake or a river and, you know, a small lake or a small river and run your John boat out to a little swamp pole and, and jump out of the boat and do that. You know, when you start talking about divers and sea ducks and the environments that those birds are in, um, things can get crazy fast. And those dudes that are down there in Arkansas running, 30 mile an hour through flooded timber. I mean, that's a whole nother danger aspect, you know, and skill, um, that I, I don't have, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that. I mean, <laughs> at all. I, I don't I like to, I, I don't want to try it. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I mean, I would like to think of myself as, you know, pretty capable behind the wheel of a boat. Um, but I, I wouldn't even begin to, uh, to try to be going out open a day in Arkansas. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it or, you know, like down in Florida, you know, I hunted uh, Lake Okeechobee and that was all airboats. You know, like I don't know the first thing in the world about running an airboat. It was fun. I had a blast riding on it, but I don't I don't know a thing about running an airboat, you know. Um, now, anything else, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, pretty ready to rip. But some of those some of those boats and some of those types of areas, you know, I don't have a I don't have a ton of experience running in shallow, shallow water. I have almost no experience running into timber. Um, and for those reasons, I am not going to go do that without either a going with somebody first who, who knows it or B just taking my time and going slow, you know, every year it seems like, and, and I'm really glad this episode is so well timed and you brought up safety every year. It seems like we see uh, duck hunters get capsized. No duck is worth your life, man. Like, it's just not. And every single year it happens. How many of these boats go out and don't have a VHF radio? I mean, dude, I don't know a single person. Actually, that's a lie. I do know a couple of people. But the overwhelming majority of people that I know go out with only their cell phone. They just ride out with their cell phone. They're like, oh, I got cell service. It'll be fine. It's all good. That, what happens when your phone dies? What happens when you drop it in the water when you're setting decoys? What, you know, like... You have to have the proper safety equipment, man. And that's like a, I mean, like a handheld VHF, you know, a 10-mile range on them. It's going to run, you know, 120. Damn, man, somebody's going to be at least 10 miles within, especially in the areas, you know, that we can hunt. Like, and mount and, one in your boat, man. I mean, just mount, mount one in your boat and have a handheld. There's yeah. no reason that you should ever be out anywhere and not have a radio mounted in your and not have a handheld. Yeah, you, 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 that brings up a point. You know what really bugs me, man? This I don't know why it chaps my ass up. People, I I hate being so direct with this, but people that lay out hunt with phone or a damn Motorola walkie-talkie. Oh, bro. Like you, you like. Here's my problem with the Motorola walkie-talkie. I get it. You can talk to the guy in the boat, but guess who you can't talk to? Anybody. The boat, the boat that's running down the way who might not see you. Uh, nine times out of ten, he's scanning on his boat. So if you yep. start screaming, if he's he's gonna, you know, I mean, 
and, and like I think that brings up another good point. Um, I know hunting. a lot of what well, like layout hunting in general, but like just like, turn your VHF on and keep yeah. it on. Like just keep it on. Like don't like a lot of people only only think oh well, I just need to turn it on when I need it. And like I, I understand the ideology behind it, but like it's not just for you; it's for everyone else that's out there. I do respect like it's it's for everyone out there, man. Like, hundred percent. And you know, layout hunting. You know, a lot of a lot of people are getting into layout hunting. Um, there are a lot of, of great layout boat manufacturers that are putting out a lot of layout boats, and people are seeing the benefit of layout hunting. And I think that you know a lot of people. A lot of people who are completely inexperienced are jumping into this sport um, of layout hunting specifically, not thinking ahead. You know, there should be, you know, a flag, there should be a flashlight, there should be, a, you know, a radio, obviously a, a, a nice a VHF radio in the boat, there should be a life vest, you know, um, you've got to have the safety gear, not just in the in the tender boat in that vessel, uh, but in the layout boat. And the guy who's running the tender boat needs to be on guard, needs to be watching. This is, you're protecting that dude in that layout boat. And so many people, I think that they just, they don't, or um, they're not, they're not exactly uh, prepared to go out there and, uh, and set these layout boats out, get them in and out of the boat. Um, they're, they're putting layout boats on boats that really shouldn't be camp carrying or transporting them. Um, I saw a dude, I saw a dude last year in an 18 foot John boat, uh, carrying around a layout boat. There's, I mean, it, to me personally, that is a, a accident waiting to happen. I, uh, I, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I think it's situational dependent, but I do agree that uh, you're not helping your. And I say that because you, like, let's be honest, you, you can't go lay out hunting by yourself. So you at least got two people in the boat now. If you're really, you know, advantageous, you're not up a whole entire spread with just you and your buddy. Like, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be pretty much cooked by the time it comes to, hey, man, you ready to get in the layout? No, nah, well, I'm, I'm going to need like 20, 30 minutes, man, to sit back and drink my coffee and bullshit because I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, um, uh, it's a lot of work. So, like, I, I, I think you're right. There is, with the uh, ever-dropping market and price on that style of hunting, because uh, used to it used to be astronomical to get into it, uh, and now it's not that expensive. I don't think personally. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think Tony's boats, Tony Homer. I think his layouts or his single man layouts are fifteen hundred bucks. Um, you know, it's it's not a real high number. Incredibly durable product. You know, it's going to last a very long time. Um, you know, I bounced a couple off the highway in Michigan. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it for me and all the layouts that I've sat in and hunted out of bar none, the best, I'm not best quality and comfort for the money. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go with that. Like for the, it, money, it, yeah. for the money, psh, man. Um, I mean, I, I love, uh, 
Terry Rose's boats as well. Uh, but that's, that's you're buying man. a Rolls Royce. Like you're buying a Rolls Royce, man. Uh, and there's a reason why that they're like that. Uh, but the, is, you know, though, not not knocking Terry uh, at all. Uh, Terry's an incredible dude. He runs a great company. He has an incredible boat. But the thing that got me about that boat, about the Core Sound layout boat, was fiberglass on fiberglass. I had a brand spanking new 24-foot skiff. And in three hunts, my skiff and that layout boat was scuffed up to pieces. I mean, it was bad like it just tore my boat apart it was heavy um it was comfortable though i mean it was incredibly comfortable boat to, to hunt out of uh the build quality was just incredible just crazy um but it tore my boat to pieces i think if i'd have had a i think if i'd have had a duck water or something it would probably been a little bit better off situation wise um but there's also people out there that are making aluminum layout boats and yeah, that's layout a, addictions. Yep, layout addictions, and uh, I think there's some beef going on between layout addictions and uh, Duckwater. But Duckwater is now getting back into making aluminum layouts. I just saw the other day. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a there's some. So the guy who owns Layout Addictions, I don't know his, I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but uh, I think that there was some. Just just you know, reading what I see on the internet. I think there was maybe some unspoken or maybe even spoken agreement that, you know, uh, SJ Hoover, the owner of Duckwater, was going to let um, Layout Addictions dude help him get up, get started, as long as he's building layout boats. Well, old boy decided to go and build a 26-foot uh, aluminum sea duck hunting boat, which is similar in some way to... Um, what Duckwater's doing. And I think once he decided to do that, he kind of rubbed um, SJ who wrong way. And there's, a, there's just a bunch of drama around that right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, here, here's my, man, a boat is a boat. If you're not bringing new technology, you ain't, you're just doing the labor on it. Well, it's uh, so Duckwater has a, a heck of a name in the industry. Uh, they've been doing it a long time and you know, you, there's a lot of people that um, there's a lot of people on that wait list. So I, I think maybe, maybe he saw an opportunity uh, to break out and do something a little different. I, I know he's done some innovations to the design and done some different things like that. I mean, I don't know, man, the, the beef is strong there right now. And I, ain't, I, ain't, you know, Hey man, that's, that's capitalism and free market. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, that's what I, I hate. Gotta, well, I mean, I would say if you ain't got a patent, it ain't shit. But even if you got a patent, it might not be worth shit because somebody's gonna reach around it and get through it. Yeah, it's just a. I I just. Don't I need like to go stuff. digging on this, man. I'm about to like get my trunks on and start start getting ready for this. I don't even have a dog in the fight, but it sounds like a good fight. I just hate seeing drama in this industry, dude, because it just causes so many rifts, man. All right, dude. So check this out. I'd, speaking of drama, we're getting off the boat thing for just a second. But so I'm scrolling and I come up on a post that I saw today in the uh, in a North Carolina waterfowl group. A guy goes on there and he asks a simple question. He says, can anyone point me to the direction of 
a goose guide in North Carolina. So I click on the post. There's a bunch of comments. I'm like, what in the world is this up? So I click on it, man, and I and I scroll through it, and I see a pretty prominent business owner in North Carolina. Um, he is in the waterfowl industry in a way, uh, and he comments the most just just I, I, I don't know I, I don't know the way they say this, but I'm just say dick bag. He commented the most dick bag thing. He posted a picture of a successful private land hunt um, that he had and was like, if you can find if you can find a goose guide in North Carolina that hunts um, that hunts as good as me, then send me his number. I want it. And then I started scrolling through the comments under that thread and he was just being like really I mean, just very arrogant. And it blew my mind just because I mean, you own a business that is supported by people that that dude could have very well become a client of yours and just the way that he carried himself just it blew my mind i mean, I mean dude, I, that's great hunts man that's awesome i'm very proud of you i know you probably put in a ton of work scouting preparing doing that and, it, and it's something to be proud of to have a really successful hunt it's another thing to use that in an arrogant way well not only that like the, the guy didn't come in that you about how you goose hunt. You just want to know if there's any guides, which I'm sorry to tell you, fella, you're there's you're barking up the tree. There um, are a few uh, fourth yeah, generation. I was about to say fourth generation. Um, I mean, there's good ones like that can uh, I would say be be successful in it. There's just not that it just yeah. if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna branch out. But not everyone has that opportunity. So exactly. the and, and there's like you said, the, you know, uh, fourth generation is ex extremely good service. Um, just a little plug right there for you guys. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like it, it I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that, I, that goes back to the episode that just hit, man. Like, yeah. Stop making waves stop, in the industry. Stop man. making waves for no reason. Like, just stop. Like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I can't tell you how many like, and right now, it, right now it's happening a lot because we're coming into duck season. There's a ton of new um, interest in, in the sport and stuff like that. And, you know, over the past few days, especially, you know, I've seen, you know, people looking for just general information about hunting, like just general, very, very general information. They're not asking for a pin. They're not asking for anything like that. They're asking for information. And instead of going on there and being like the common blanket, like go scout response, go on there and like, if you're going to say anything, say something that's going to be productive, man. I hate when people go and make unnecessary drama and just be totally rude to somebody who's just trying to learn. Like I, we covered the hell out of that in the last episode, but I, so I don't want to get on it too much because I'm already getting, I already getting beads of sweat <laughs> popping up in my forehead, but it just, it rubbed me so wrong, man. And you know, to see two successful business owners in the boating industry uh going at each other like that it's all comes down to one thing money just it's money man like and, and you know what the worst part about it is like uh having uh i guess you know we we know a good bit of people in manufacturing or you know just the industry in general and like you watch these people and you look at them you're like oh like you know the, they're they're friends for three four years and then they're turning their backs on each other. 
like over oh, yeah. some like like a silly thing like that like if and, and granted don't get me wrong you, you got to eat at the end of the day like I, I completely understand this but trying to cut nine out of ten times is going to make you look bad in another light um, yeah 100 and, and it I, i'm not going to be the one that's going to go out there and uh drag your neck in the mud but damn it boy you're not making a good look for yourself well there was a there's a situation recently with a with a brand competitor that got got a little little saucy uh and dude like i just i hate i hate the drama it's just but also i'm gonna call you if you're gonna throw bs my way i'm gonna also call you on it like i'm not just gonna sit here and just ignore it like you're gonna get called out like if, it, if it's directed at me and you're coming for me it's gonna get caught i'm gonna i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you what you want if you you mess with the bull you're gonna get the horns and that's exactly what happened and it's just like again stop stop it just stop there's no reason for you to do that i'm just i'm just gonna throw it out there man i, I said it in the uh with the gunners and i'll, I'll say it again originally unoriginal originally unoriginal yeah i'll drop my, can i drop my mic right now or that, that's probably not gonna sound good i won't do that it's on the table you can't drop it dude. <laughs> um, just, oh man so I, I mean like uh i get it though man it's it's frustrating and it, it it only gets worse i feel like as the years go by it's it, honestly it's disheartening sometimes yeah just just do you just just you worry about you just if you do that and you can just worry about yourself and not worry about everybody else and trying to just be your own person don't be trying to be somebody else and just just do it we are so far off of boats right now i know <laughs> they got into uh yeah. but we are we're uh we have elapsed on our time here yeah we're um, the just want to say uh, this episode is going to drop the same day that the last episode dropped. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge slack. Um, yes, <laughs> uh, I've been asking every day. I can't. <laughs> this is not on me. I want the record to reflect that Andrew Beck is the problem here. That is. Um, so yeah, uh, we hope as both uh, enjoy both these episodes. Um, and, uh, you'll keep growing with us. We're, we're enjoying this to an extent. Sometimes I'm not enjoying it when I'm <laughs> up till three, four o'clock in the morning editing, but yeah, it's worth it though. What do you, so what are we, what are we covering next? We covered boats this time. Um, next week I'm going to be traveling to, well, I'll say this October 20th through the 27th. Uh, I'll be traveling to North Dakota. I don't know exactly, you know, at what point people will listen to this episode. So, um, what do you, what do you want to cover next time, bro? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to go solo dolo. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come up with something good for you guys. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we can give you a positive report on, uh, on this huge product drop that's about to happen. So, um, anyways, until next time, uh, Andy and I both appreciate you listening and, uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thank you.